Welcome back to the CBJ Show. This is episode 14. Uh, I am your host, Jason, alongside Brandon and Kim. Today's episode, lots of discussions here. It's going to be mainly NBA and NFL once again. Uh, NBA, we got some big offseason news with, of course, the Houston Rockets, uh, Celtics and Hornets signing trades, some contracts, injuries, NFL playoff picture, a past Chargers video, and some MLS news at the end. Uh, we're going to start it off with the NBA. So we're looking at uh, the trades, the Houston Rockets, James Harden still wants out of Houston. The Brooklyn Nets are number one on his uh, destination list. And uh, thoughts on James Harden? We're going to start with Cam. Do you think he's going to get traded before the season starts? And if so, where do you think he'll be traded to? Yeah, I still think he wants to get traded. I think he wants out of Houston. But, you know, we're winding down that time there. You know, the season's projected to start in about two weeks so now, a little over. So I still think there's time for him to get traded, but I think it's definitely going to be cutting closer when the deal is going to happen. And if he's going to get traded, I think he will go to Brooklyn or he will either end up staying with Houston, but I still think he's going to end up getting traded. But they're going to have to make a deal soon because, you know, the off season's coming to an end and, you know, they want to get that done before season starts. So. What are your thoughts on this, Brandon? Yeah, my thoughts on this is that the season's starting in a few weeks, and I think uh, Harden will get traded. We saw Westbrook get traded, and I think Harden's next. Um, because I just don't think Harden and John Wall will work well together. I think uh, Harden will just want to do his own thing, and Wall will do his own thing. They'll go opposite directions. And if they both stay, it's just going to go badly for Houston. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's a new head coach in Houston. and um, So who knows what that's going to impact. Yeah, got to agree. We don't really know how John Wall and James Harden are going to work out. I mean, it's the first time where James Harden um, in a few years has had, some, had a point guard that isn't going to demand the ball at all times because John Wall played off of Bradley Beal, if you remember. Uh, in Washington, but looking at James Harden getting traded, they're going to have to pull out a deal, like you guys said, really soon. Like two weeks is going to be when it happens. I don't see them making a trade during the season. So I personally don't see him getting traded. I think Houston is going to want to keep him around for maybe another year just to see what happens. But there are definitely some good destinations for Harden, and he is a top five player in most people's eyes, so they'd be really happy to have a guy like him on their team. Uh, moving up next to, we're going to talk about the Russell Westbrook trade to the Washington Wizards. Uh, he was traded for John Wall in a future first round pick in 2023. Uh, we're going to start with Cam on this one. Um, who do you think wins the trade? The Rockets or the Wizards? Rockets get John Wall in the first and the Wizards get Russell Westbrook. You know, I still think, I think that Washington got the better player in this trade. I think that Houston's going to end up winning the trade with that extra first-round pick thrown in there. And with John Wall's good, he's a really good player. Not as good as I think Russ. I think Russ is still better than him. But I think Houston giving that, getting that extra first-round pick might help them out to be the overall winner of this trade. But for now, I still think that, that Washington has won this trade getting Westbrook because he's a great player. We saw a few years ago where he got practically a triple-double every single game he played. So... Player-wise, I think that 
that Washington won this trade. But overall, eventually, we might see that Houston would win this trade with that extra first-round pick, given whoever that player may or may not be. I think I'd have to agree with Cam. Um, Houston, I mean, Washington definitely got the benefit with Westbrook. Um, John Wall is not as good as Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, if I had to just compare them, it's not even – it's not like apples to apples. It's kind of like apples to bananas. But I think Westbrook is much much better than Wall. Yeah, I think there's a significant difference between Westbrook and Wall. Uh, Westbrook, three seasons in a row, averaged a triple-double um, on the Thunder. Going to the Rockets, the fit does not work because they're both ball-demanding. They both want points, rebounds, and assists. They're going for triple-doubles every night. And it's just um, – it might be a better fit for Westbrook and Washington. So I see him winning the trade because this guy's an MVP candidate. John Wall, he's coming off of an injury. He's been out for almost two years now uh, with an injury. So we don't know what he's going to be like. We know he is a great defender. Uh, he was, he's been one of the better point guards in this draft class or in the 2010 draft class and throughout the 2010s, one of the better point guards. But um, just looking ahead in the future, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal is a deadly duo. Beal's averaging 30 points a game, but Wall and Harden could not be bad. And like Kim mentioned, first-round pick could turn out to be something special. So um, the MVP player um, is Russell Westbrook, but uh, Rockets should not be too mad with getting John Wall because it could be a better fit for the long term. And remember, these guys both were making over $40 million, so the contracts did end up matching up. Um, there's only a few point guards in the NBA that you can do that with, and those are two of them. So uh, it was a good trade for both GMs, I think, and we'll see what happens. We also had news with Boston Celtics and the Charlotte Hornets, as we saw uh, Gordon Hayward signed a four-year, $120 million contract with the Hornets. Um, a, a, a week later after this um, sign happened, the Celtics turned it into a sign-and-trade situation, kind of like with the Kemba Walker situation last year. It means uh, the Celtics uh, won't have to give up players um, in, their, in exchange. Uh, for uh, Along with Hayward, they'll be able to give Charlotte some draft picks and receive uh, either a draft pick or a player. Um, I'm going to start with Jason. Your thoughts on this? Um, and you said that uh, Hayward's gone. Yeah, I mean, it's a big loss for the Celtics. Gordon Hayward, um, not an ideal time in Boston. Remember that first opening night, everyone was so hyped up. It was Celtics versus Cavs, Kyrie returning to Cleveland, and that alley-oop thrown to Hayward. That was a really bad injury, and Celtics fans will always remember that as one of the worst moments in the history of the franchise. But came back 2018-19, not the best player, had some good games, had a bench roll. Then last year, he really did prove that he could return to Utah Jazz form. Remember, he was an all-star, averaging over 20 points a game. And he averaged close to 18 points a game as the fourth option on a really good scoring Boston team. So uh, as a Boston fan, we're going to miss him. He brought a lot of heart to the team, whether it's through stats. He played some great defense. He stepped it up this past season. And it's a huge loss for the Celtics. But... I really like Aaron Neesmith, that draft pick, number 14 overall, and I think in the future he could snag that starting three spot. Your thoughts, Cam? Yeah, like you said, you know, it's 
by loss of Celtics fans, but I slightly disagree. I don't think it's a huge loss for the Celtics as long as Haywood's a great player. He barely played with us. He played like total he played under a half a season with us maximum. He didn't play much. He did contribute a lot in the games that he did play near the end of this year and last year, but he definitely Celtics fans expected more out of him. But of course with the injury, you know, it was reasonable. He was out for about over a season and a half. And going to Hayward's four-year, $120 million contract, I think that's um, a lot of money for him. You know, I don't think he's really at that level to get paid that much anymore. Uh, it's a big contract. I did not expect it to be that high. Now, like you said, Hayward with Utah was a great player, but I just don't think he's that same player anymore with his injury and have and only playing minimum games with the Celtics. I don't think he's I don't think he'll ever be able to get back to how he was with the Jazz before he came to the Celtics. Back to you guys. Yeah, I think he definitely got close by the end of uh, last season to that Utah Jazz form, but an average of $30 million per year for someone who was the fourth scoring option on the playoff team, that's that should not really be happening because, I mean, Hayward is a great individual player himself. I'm sure he could average over 20 points on as the number one option but you're on the Charlotte Hornets and the Hornets just needed to sign a big time player uh, in order to attract free agents from uh, future uh, free agency classes like next year's going to be a really big class and to pair him up with uh, someone like LaMelo Ball um, Hornets are going to get a lot of fans uh, next year at uh, games assuming that happens so I think Bringing in Gordon Hayward, that is a big-time move. He was overpaid, but I think it was to, just to hype the team up, getting LaMelo Ball on that team. We had um, other notable free agent signings, including uh, Anthony Davis, who signed a five-year, $190 million contract. Uh, Brandon Ingram staying in New Orleans, uh, five-year, 158 million contract. We talked about Hayward with his four-year 120 million contract. Uh, another big name with um, Montrell's Harold. We talked about uh, past couple episodes that he is now on the Lakers. He signed a two-year 19 million uh, deal. And uh, Bojan Bogdanovic with Atlanta signed a four-year 120. Uh, 72 million contract. Uh, your thoughts, Cam and Jason, on uh, some of these signings and uh, are these smart? Yeah, I mean, for the Lakers, I think that LeBron James contract is smart. I mean, he's arguably the best player in basketball right now and top three all time, arguably that also. So that's a smart signing for him. You know, New Orleans, Stephen Adams, smart signing there. You know, it's not a huge contract, but it's good enough for him. He was one of those average, above average players. Um, the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell contract, you know, expected he's going to get a max, max contract with Utah. No, he's a great player there. Same with Jason Tatum here in Boston, both getting max deals, both five years. I think those are both great contracts, and both those players deserve that. And from Miami, um, you know, we saw Bam Adebayo against us, and, you know, he was great. He was great on those rebounds, you know. It would have been great to see Celtics have a player like him on their team. He really stepped up big for Miami there, and I think that's also a good deal for them. 
and um, Darren Fox in Sacramento, you know, five years, 163, same as Adebayo. Um, that's another good deal for them. I think all these all these signings are good, along with the Anthony Davis signing. Though. These are all great players, and I think all these players deserve the, the contracts they received. Yeah, I got to agree. Both with just the, the um, free agency in general and the contract extensions uh, that will kick in after this upcoming season um, with the free agency. Anthony Davis, he deserved that deal. Uh, he will, He's a champion. He's um, definitely a top 10 player, arguably a top five player in the NBA right now. Um, could be the best big man of this generation. So five years, 190 million, perfect deal for Anthony Davis. Uh, Ingram, we knew he was going to get this contract. He didn't like um, guys like De'Aaron Fox, Jason Tam, Donovan Mitchell, and Bam Adebayo. Um, he could have got that one last year along with guys like Pascal Siakam, Jamal Murray, Ben Simmons, and Jalen Brown, rookies from the 2016 draft class. He didn't, but he got his pay with the Pelicans as he was an all-star this year. Um, another big one, obviously, Bogdan Bogdanovich to Atlanta. Uh, the Kings had uh, the option to match that contract, but they said no. The Hawks have a new starting shooting guard there. and. Um, one big steal that I saw was Sacramento Kings getting Hassan Whiteside for just one year, two million, um, one year, two million dollar contract. He was making close to twenty-seven million last year with the Trailblazers. Then his value went way down because Yusuf Nurkic took the starting spot away from him in the bubble. But the Kings got a nice center there and contract extensions. Uh, LeBron, of course, this past week signed a huge, big-time deal. That deal. Um, and in 2023, the same year that his son, Bronny, graduates high school. So you never know. He might want to sign with the team that drafts Bronny because there could be a rule um, next few years that allows high school players to jump right back to the NBA like LeBron did. And Steven Adams immediately got traded to New Orleans, um, team up with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Zion Williamson. Uh, that, that's a good contract extension for him. He could be the franchise center on a really good young team. And of course, Mitchell Tatum getting those huge 2017 rookie max extensions. They, those are franchise players for their respective teams, and they're going to be great players in the NBA for a while, as well as Bam Adebayo and De'Aaron Fox. Not on the same level as Mitchell or Tatum, but they are also franchise players in, uh, for their teams, and they'll be there for uh, the years to come. We have uh, a few injuries that uh, are sad. Clay Thompson will be out for the 2021 season with a torn Achilles tendon. Kemba Walker will be out until January 10th with a knee injury. Kristaps Porzingis on Dallas will be out until January 9th with a knee injury. And Jaron Jackson Jr. from Memphis will be out until January 22nd with also a knee injury. Uh, I want to ask you, Jason, uh, will these players have an impact with the teams uh, missing a few first weeks of the season? And what can teams like Boston and uh, Golden State do without some of these uh, players? Oh, yeah, looking at Golden State, uh, they did make some good uh, acquisitions this offseason. Uh, well, after Clay Thompson went down with an injury, they went right ahead and traded for Kelly Oubre, who was um, part of the Chris Paul deal that sent him to Phoenix, and he was immediately flipped within a week to Golden State. Oubre was close to a 20-point-per-game scorer last year, 
alongside Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. So I think the Warriors did get a nice player there. And then when Klay Thompson comes back, hopefully for the 2021 to 2022 season, uh, he might be coming off the bench or he might have an important starting role. They also have Andrew Wiggins, of course, from the D'Angelo Russell trade, last trade deadline. So they are really good on the wings. And I think Curry has a chance to come back to MVP form like he did in 2015 and 2016. He's going to be close to a 30-point-per-game score. And Draymond Green, he's got to step up this year. On the defensive end, he's been great all the time, one of the better defenders of this 2010s decade. And the second overall pick, James Wiseman, would be a great addition. can shoot the ball, can score inside. I think it'll be great. And then for the bit of the um, short-term injuries, Boston with Kemba Walker, they're going to – most likely start Jeff Teague. He's a good veteran player. He's a um, great passer, for, uh, former all-star in the NBA. So Celtics will struggle in some games like we do play uh, the Brooklyn Nets early in that year. Uh, and Jeff Teague may struggle against Kyrie Irving, but uh, we'll see what happens. Celtics have a great team going into the year. Dallas without Porzingis. They still have Luka Doncic. Uh, I personally think he'll win MVP this year. He is an incredible player. Triple doubles. Uh, very often, so I think he will be um, he will be great in Porzingis's absence. And when he comes back, Porzingis will put up many double doubles. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, he stepped up a lot last year. Uh, he is with John Morant on that team, and they do have Brandon Clark at power forward, a very underrated pick from the 2019 class. So I think he'll fill that uh, position well while Jackson is out. Uh, moving on to our last NBA discussion is the NBA Christmas games. Uh, the schedule was just posted within the last week for, the, uh, for some of the NBA season. And the Christmas games are uh, really uh, exciting games and must-watch games. First up is the um, Pelicans versus the Heat. That's the first game at 12. Then the Warriors versus Bucks at 2.30. Nets versus Celtics at 5. Mavericks versus Lakers at 8. And then Clippers versus Nuggets at 10.30. I'm going to start with Brandon on this one. Um, what are your thoughts on these matchups? Are these um, the, these good selections for a special day like Christmas in the NBA? Yes, it's NBA on Christmas is always special, and I think we've got some great matchups. First, I want to take a look at that New Orleans-Miami Heat. New Orleans uh, played on Christmas last year, but Zion was injured, so it sets the stage for Zion Williamson. Uh, as this is his second season, he'll probably – hopefully play the uh, whole regular season, 72 games. I think he'll have a bigger impact, and this is a good national TV day to showcase what he can do. Miami Heat, Miami is always good. We saw them go to the uh, NBA Finals this year, and they lost to the Lakers, but that's a great matchup first off. Golden State-Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee's uh, with Giannis against Curry. Great matchup. Uh, we don't get this a lot, but when we do, it's a much washed game. Much washed game. Brooklyn Nets at the Boston Celtics. That's the second, third game of the day. And Kevin Durant did not play with the Nets last year. Uh, I think a lot of people forgot him. People just thought of Kyrie, and that was all. And the Nets didn't make the bubble, so there wasn't a lot of talk with the Nets last year. But with a new coach, Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie Irving coming home to Boston for the first time, uh, one of the first couple times since uh, he was traded to Brooklyn. He doesn't like playing um, in Boston uh, since he was traded, 
but I think he will as he'll be with pairing up with Kevin Durant and seeing what he can do in his home uh in his um in in Boston. Dallas at the Lakers. Uh uh this is a great matchup and just some good talent and we uh uh of course you can't uh have the Lakers not play on Christmas when they won the NBA championship last year. And the last game is probably one of the must watch games of the day. And it's the Clippers Nuggets. We saw in the series in the playoffs bubble last year, but there was no fans, so it wasn't really a playoff atmosphere. I think this game is going to have, if there's fans, this is going to be probably one of the best games on Christmas. And we remember Clippers were up three games to one, and Denver won the series four to three. So who will win this game? I don't know. I'm going to um, send it off to Cam. Your thoughts on the Christmas games and are there other teams you wish you saw on Christmas? Uh, no, I think these are all great games there. The NBA did a great job. The one thing I would have liked to see is, you know, Mavericks versus the Clippers instead of the Lakers get that playoff rematch of that great series and then have the Lakers play the Nuggets. But I think all these matchups are good series. But, yeah, that would have been one thing I would have liked to see, you know, a little play playoff rematch there. And Lakers-Nuggets still would be a great matchup, you know, just switching those. But, yeah, these are all fantastic games. I think the NBA did a great job. Like you said, with the Warriors-Bucks, you know, we don't see it often, but it will be a great game, hopefully. And with the Celtics-Nets, you know, the Nets having Kyrie and KD back, like you said, you know, I think these all will be great matchups. If anyone has anything else to add about these Christmas games before we move on. Yeah, I totally got to agree. Some great matchups here. Um, the 10 teams that were picked to play, I think, well-deserving. I mean, there's some matchups that everyone would like to see, like a Pelicans-Grizzlies, Zion versus job. We want to see that. Uh, some other good matchups, like a Donovan Mitchell versus Jason Tatum type of game, Jazz Celtics. I'm surprised the Jazz didn't get in here because um, Donovan Mitchell is a big-time player, and he's a fun young player to watch. But uh, would have liked to see also a finals rematch between the Lakers and Heat. But other than that, I really like these matchups. Celtics-Nets, I wish we had Kemba Walker versus Kyrie Irving for the first time in a while because Kyrie never played uh, against the Celtics because he's been he was in and out with injuries last year so uh, it'll be interesting to see how these games play out all right moving on to our next topic of the NFL playoff picture here starting in the east number one seed we have the Steelers at 11-0 then the Chiefs Titans Bills all your other division leaders so far and then, haven't seen them in the playoffs a lot. The Cleveland Browns, actually, your five seed at eight and three. And then another team we haven't seen in the playoffs a lot lately, the Dolphins at seven and four. Then the Indianapolis Colts with the Raiders, Ravens, and Patriots all in the hunt still. And in the NFC, we have the Saints, Seahawks, and Packers, and Giants, all as your division leaders there. Saints still the number one seed by one game over the Seahawks and Packers. And knowing that. Giants leading the NFC East right now. Not by a lot, but they got it right now. With the wildcard teams being the Rams, Bucks, and the Cardinals. With the Vikings, Bears, and 49ers still in the hunt as well. We'll start off with the Jason issues. Any thoughts on both these playoff pictures and how they're looking right now? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some changes in uh, the past few weeks since last episode. I think the Steelers and Chiefs have uh, one and two on lock. The Titans are a really fun team to watch. Derrick Henry has taken his game to a new level this year. 
I think you can make an argument for him being the best running back in the NFL. And uh, Bills and Dolphins, it's a bit weird to see them above the Patriots first time in a while, but uh, they've been playing some good games. Could say the Dolphins did have a really easy schedule, but they're performing well. The Browns are a really exciting team. And then a bit surprised about the Ravens not being in there. They've lost three in a row. Um, but I think um, once Lamar Jackson comes back from the COVID list, uh, that team could uh, make a push for the playoffs. And the Patriots, they're very close. They just need to, I'd say, one loss and they're done. But you never know. The playoff picture could play out in any way. Uh, NFC, Saints, Seahawks, Packers, they've looked like the top three teams in the NFC uh, the entire season. Um, four seed, Giants, uh, another surprising team. All the teams have had that um, – four seed for a while in the NFC East and it's going to be switching a lot throughout the next few weeks but Giants are in control and uh, they're without Daniel Jones this weekend so we'll see how they do and the wild card Rams Bucks Cardinals um, the Buccaneers and Cardinals have lost uh, a few of their most recent games but they've had some tough matchups and I think they'll make their way um, back up to a solid record and the Rams they were on a good run their defenses looked like top two in the NFL behind the Steelers so um, I think they're in a good position right now in the hunt. Vikings, Bears, 49ers, like Cam mentioned. Um, Bears have lost five in a row. They started the year five and one. But I think uh, this weekend they have a match against the Lions. So they should win that one. The Vikings are getting Adam Thielen back from COVID most likely. And then the 49ers, they're in the toughest division in football. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I would just say one thing is if you told me uh growing up as a Pats fan and the past 20 years have been awesome with Brady but if you told me that the Dolphins and the Browns would be better than the Patriots I probably would have looked at you and said you're crazy this is not possible but what year we are in we're in the year 2020 and anything's possible and uh, I think both the uh playoff pictures are up for grabs um NFC a little bit more with that fourth um, division, the NFC East can be anyone winning it. But uh, I think both playoff pictures are um, tight, and I think it's going to come down to the wire. Uh, I think the Patriots could still lose a game and make the playoffs. Uh, if they get nine and seven, I think they could be the sixth or the seventh seed, but they need to win every other game, including this week's matchup against the Chargers, who are getting Austin Eakler back, who was back last week, and Keenan Allen's good, Joey Bosa's good on defense, and Justin Herbert's been cooking up. So the Pats uh, want any chance of playoffs, and yes, continue it this weekend against the Chargers. Uh, in the NFC, we talked about the 49ers being in the toughest division, and they got unfortunate injuries this year. And we looked at this team. They played the Pats a month ago, and they, and they were doing good. They scored about 33 points. They upset the Rams last week. But if the Niners are healthy, they have Jimmy G. They have Raheem Monster. They have all their wide receivers. No COVID, no injuries. This is a playoff team. This is a Super Bowl team. We they were in the Super Bowl last year. The only reason they may not make the playoffs this year is, one, their division is really tough and two, they have had injuries. You take out injuries, and they're a playoff team, and they could be in the Super Bowl this year. 
moving on, mention the pads are playing the Chargers this weekend. If they win, they'll be uh, back to 500 since week four. Uh, last week, uh, they beat uh, the uh, um, Cardinals 20-17 to over Nick Folk's uh, 50-yard game-winning field goal. Uh, the Pats didn't play as well. Kim Newton had two picks, but defense uh, had their big goal line stand, fourth and goal at right at halftime that helped them stay in the game. And they're going to have another um, – I think Kim Newton's going to have another tough time, uh, another tough outing with Joey Bosa. He has led uh, the NFL. Um, he's one of the best in the NFL sacks. He has seven sacks, which is tied for ninth um, in the league. And that's more than J.J. Watt. And we saw in Houston a few weeks ago what J.J. Watt could do to Cam Newton. Had four bad passes. Just was making it much harder for Cam. Um, and if the Pats won't have any chance of uh, t- uh, being in control this game, they need to stop Joey Bosa. On the offense, Damon Harris and Sonny Michelle have been back. But last week we saw it was James White. James White got two touchdown rushes, and, and it was mostly White and Harris. I think the Patriots need to go back to the run game, and that's their way to beat the Chargers this weekend. On the other side, the Chargers have wide receiver Keenan Allen and running back Austin Eakler, who came back last week against the Bills. Last week, he put up 80 uh, rushing yards, which is good for first time in a while. That was also in uh, cold Buffalo, where grounds are uh, cold and um, could have had an impact, and he was on injured reserve for the past month or two. So having that home field, I think that's going to have big. And Patriots defense has got to stop Eakler uh, because we've seen it this season when we face the Bills, we face the Texans and Ravens, and just the whole season, the Pats have been really bad against the run. And if they want any chance of taking control, they need two things. One, making sure they stop Austin Eakler. Two, making sure Joey Bosa does not get to Cam. And three, Stephon Gilmore needs to do what he did last, again, last week uh, versus DeAndre Hopkins. He was all over him. He needs to be on Keenan Allen. And those are my three keys for the Patriots to win this game. Uh, Cam and Jason, I want to swing to you and with your uh, predictions on the football game. Sure. No, my Patriots prediction, I think they will win this week 27-25, I think. Vernon Myers will have big games, and Damian Harris will have over 100 rushing yards. Um, I think, you know, you said about Justin Herbert heating up. I think another key to the game there is, you know, got to watch out for Herbert. He can run. He can throw. He's a great rookie. I think he's candidate for rookie of the year so far since Joe Burrow is now out for the season. But I think that, you know, Jason Jackson and Gilmore will get on Herbert's back, and Herbert will end up throwing two interceptions, and I have the pass winning 27-25. to 25. Your thoughts, Jason? Yeah, I think um, this is a great opportunity for the Patriots to play. Um, it's just fi- figure out their identity a bit more um, against a team that is that has a lower record than them. But they should not take th- they should take this game very seriously. They shouldn't take it as like, oh, we'll definitely win this because they're ahead of the Chargers in the standings. We've seen teams below them, like the Denver Broncos, uh, beat them. So uh, I think the Patriots will win it 24-21, but it's going to be a close one. I think Cam will have a slightly better game than last week because, uh, as we saw, he threw under 100 passing yards. And 
Um, if you want to win football games, um, most of the time, that's not the way to go. Uh, we just got lucky. We played some great defense, stopping the run game a lot. Uh, I think he'll have uh, a passing touchdown to Jacoby Myers, uh, an interception. He's very consistent with interceptions, unfortunately. And then a rushing touchdown. I really want Cam Newton to run the ball a bit more often because when he runs the ball, we know that he can get first downs. Uh, obviously, that Bills game where he fumbled, uh, I think I feel like that was just one time. Cam normally is a good um, good with securing the ball, like all those mobile quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson. So I think it should be fine. The run game um, for New England's gonna be really hard for them because they have Joey Bosa on that D line. But I think uh, Damian Harris will find some holes, especially that right uh, right side of the O line with the rookie Michael Amwenu and Shaq Mason. Some guys are in the injury report like Isaiah Wynn, but uh, they should find some openings. And I got the Pats winning 24-21. All right. And lastly, I will give my predictions. I predict the Pats to win 27-24. I think, just like uh, Jason said, Cam needs to have a better game. I say he has two touchdowns, and they're going to be both passing, one to Harry and one to White. I'm also going to predict that Damon Harris gets on that uh, touchdown score sheet again with a touchdown run. He hasn't been playing well. Uh, he's been playing well, but he hasn't gotten the goal line carries. It's been a lot of James White getting carries, and I think it's time for Harris to get a touchdown. And I think Nick Folk will kick two field goals. We've seen that he can. He has leg strength. He's been on injury report uh, for the past two months saying he has a hip injury or whatever but he still can kick. We saw him against the Jets that um, he hit the game-winning field goal, and then last week he kicked that 50-yard field goal against Arizona. So I think Folk has that uh, leg to kick, and the Pats can win. Uh, reminder, Pate, uh, the Pats um, have – Cam Newton has had four touchdowns thrown and nine interceptions, which is not good. Justin Herbert, on the other hand, has had 23 touchdowns and seven picks. That's my uh, wrap to my predictions. I'm going to hand it off to Cam for a quick NHL update. Yeah, I'll have a quick NHL update as we're running out of time. But some news, the NHL has are still planning to go with their January 1st start date, and they have not decided if they want to do their hybrid bubbles yet or teams sometimes play a bubble two weeks and then out of their bubble. But... As for now, they have not decided yet. And we have four teams hoping to play, possibly play their home games outside. And those four teams include our own Bruins, LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think that's a great idea. I'd love to see the Bruins play at July or Fenway for a whole season. But as we're running out of time, I'll send it back to you, Brandon, for our final MLS notes and updates as we are in the semifinals and conference finals of the MLS tournament. Yes. The MLS, <laughs> this 2020 MLS season has almost gotten to an end. It started February 29th, uh, kind of felt like an NFL season with that long break. But I'll keep this short. The Revs will face Columbus in the Eastern Conference Final tomorrow, Sunday, December 6th, 3 p.m. on ABC. And the Western Conference Final will be Minnesota at Seattle, Monday, December 7th, 9.30 p.m. on FS1. Uh, Go cheer on the Revs as uh, they're the Robert Kraft team in the playoffs this year. And we don't know if the Pats will make it, but root for the Revs. Um, and I'm going to end this episode how we always do it. Don't forget to check out our Instagram. We're going to post some more uh, sports updates, 
NBA season release came out yesterday, so we'll let you know about more updates about that. And uh, you can check out YouTube for the video version of the podcast, or you can continue listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. That's it for episode 14. We hope you have a wonderful day. We'll see you next time.